on today's player pool, we will discuss what to do with players like Justin Fields and Travis Kelsey. Is this the week we show a little respect to the tight end? Also, multiple tough matchups that you have to make decisions on this week to be successful, as well as a few trap plays to avoid. There's plenty of space at the pool for you, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. In fact, we have open chairs where Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson used to sit at. Uh Uh-oh, let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Player Pool Podcast. I'm happy you're here. We have a lot of work to do. I've taken a look at the slate. My player pool is built. I do not envision too many injury scenarios that I'll have to adjust to. I already have a lot of injury engineering and injury scenarios written into my player pool already. What I usually do there is I'll write both players on top of each other, the injured and his potential backup, have a line that connects them and then still write out both evaluations of those players as if only one of them is going to play. So when I say that, obviously I'm talking about Austin Eckler this week. We will get to him. But first, the number one thing I think that is going to leap out to everybody when they take a look at these prices on FanDuel is a lot of prices have absolutely ballooned sky high. I don't have an overall explanation for it other than the last FanDuel score these players scored was pretty high, pretty stiff. You know, I mean, Aaron Jones in here is at 8,100. He didn't even play last week. So it's just the theme of the week. It's going to be, we're going to have skyscraper prices. But luckily, we got bailed out because the Cleveland Browns game was on Monday night and those prices come out Sunday night before the Monday night games. So we have undisturbed prices for the backups in the wake of Nick Chubb's very awful and tragic injury. So how you are going to deal with the incredibly high pricing this week is simple. You're going to use your player pool. This is another place at the beginning of every opening slate where I sit down and try to put something together. I get overwhelmed every time I look at all the prices real quick. I see where everyone's priced and I'm like, No way am I going to fit this many great players with good matchups with these stupid high prices into, you know, three, four, five, up to like nine lineups. There's no way I'm going to fit everybody in appropriately. And honestly, I really don't like playing more than six lineups. I try to avoid playing over six if I can help it. But thank God for the player pool. Thank God for the structure and the method that we're continuing to refine and get better. It's going to, if you engage the steps it's going to really filter out a lot of these players and make a lot more sense across the board. But in your builds this week, when building your player pool and you're going through every game, hear what I'm about to say. Take it slow so that you pick up the right value plays. The right value plays. You're going to need value this week. You already know that. But do not get desperate to find them. They should present themselves to you, right? You're still evaluating these players and asking yourself, is 2x that price realistic, certain? Do I feel good about it? You have to feel good about two times the price for them to get in your player pool. So, yes, you're going to need a lot of value. 
there is a lot of receivers scattered in the 5,500 5, to 6,500 range. I will tell you, not a lot of those made my player pool. Not a lot, a couple. So really slow down through the games because you'll get to each game and, and the prices, and it's easy to clip off the top guys, right? Quarterback, RB1, wide receiver one, bam, you're my player pool. You're only going to find all your value if you really go player by player below that and look at the two and three guys and see if there's any use out of any of these guys. So I took, it probably took me three times longer this week to make my player pool than it has so far this season, but I'm glad I took my time because I found a ton of great pieces that I think are going to let me reach everybody I need to reach, including slate breakers, high-owned players, popular players, and all my preferred. So I get asked this a lot because a lot of guys I think are kind of like self-conscious about, oh, I think I've, I've just added everybody into my player pool. How many people did you have? So I, I feel fine telling you guys this. At the end of the day, I finished with seven quarterbacks, 14 running backs, 18 receivers, and 10 tight ends in my player pool. That that does not mean I'm using everybody, but I do have some options. That's the range I fell into. So first topic of the show today to prepare for week three is what to do with Jerome Ford Cleveland running back. So Jerome Ford stepped in last week when Nick Chubb went down and played very well. 20 touches. I count 20. Most people would say 19. But remember, I'm counting every target as a touch. That's just how I do it. So 20 touches, 131 yards, and a touchdown from Jerome Ford against a, a, in a game that was close, that was competitive, with against a good defense. I mean, they needed him to play well. And individually, he did. And Jerome Ford's price this week is 4800 4800 And he assumingly, despite Cleveland signing Kareem Hunt, you would figure he is going to get the bulk of the running back carries this week. I mean, Kareem Hunt's going to head into this game with four days prep. And yes, he played for this team last year, but I think with four days prep, it would be pure negligence for the Cleveland coaching staff to throw Kareem Hunt out there for 10 touches. But then again, this is the Browns we're talking about and anything can happen. So the question does come down to how much Jerome Ford are you going for? Right now he's projected for 25% ownership and it's it, it's Thursday today as we're recording. I expect as Sunday approaches that number could get as high as 35, even 40%. Now, in the player pool, I do not avoid ownership. But how much of Jerome Ford do we need? If you guys recall, one of my killer moves, one thing I did to kill myself last week in these lineups was I got married to Damian Pierce, and I went downhill with him fast. I mean, I'm pretty burnt out from being 100% exposed to a running back, only for the next week, a way better priced running back with at least a chance at high opportunities is in front of me. So the question I'm trying to ask myself is, is Jerome Ford a lock or just a preferred? And I have to say, sitting here right now, I'm going to lock him. I think with all the high prices here, with enough running backs that I need to get to that I think across five to six lineups I can touch them all, a lot of these running backs will pair up nicely with their with their quarterbacks. I think at 4,800, it's just a rule I've always had. A starting running back facing this, 4,800, I think it's a lock. Now, he could not have had a worse 
a worse matchup, right? I mean, he's playing the Tennessee Titans Sunday. Last week, I told you to avoid Joshua Kelly, and that worked if you if you listen to my advice because I think he scored 30 – I'm sorry, 3.9 points. So I don't expect Jerome Ford to go for 100 yards in this game, but at 4,800, we're just talking like a 20-yard swing pass and then 12 inefficient run rush attempts – and he's probably hitting his value. So that's why I'm locking him. I, I'm locking him in the face of a negative matchup, uh, and and I don't expect him to, by any means, break the slate or even hit 15 points. But if he gets you nine, you've won. You're kind of betting against the tidal wave that's coming at you. So I'm going to lock him because of the price. That's my choice. I think you guys all need to look at it yourselves too and maybe even start playing with lineups before you decide you're going to lock uh, but at the end of the day, I think there's way too many, way too many high price studs and slate breakers to get up to, including Travis Kelsey. With that, I want to get into some matchups and player specific matchups for this week that I think as a good sharp DFS player, you're going to have to make a choice on on how to approach the matchup. The first game I want to take a look at, it's kind of a weird one and I don't expect it to be overly competitive, but that's going to be the Chicago Bears on the road at Kansas City Chiefs. Fully expect the Chiefs to womp the Bears. The Bears can't let the most recent terrible news story break before another one follows. What a terrible week they've had. Something is going on with their defensive coordinator that's led to his resignation with some form of police involvement. Looking into him, I I don't know anything. There's been nothing concrete that's come out of that, so I don't want to surmise on this show. But they started the week off with that. Oh, just kidding. They started the week off with their franchise quarterback throwing their coaches under the bus for the play calling, intimating that he's not being used properly. Today I see that a hot mic caught DJ Moore basically mirroring what Justin Fields said during the game last week, acknowledging that the Bears coaching staff is not using him properly so yes the Chicago Bears in true form are staying on fire just not in the way not in the way that people would like to be on fire so but it's you got to take a look at this still because what is Justin Fields at his base level he is a running quarterback a unicorn we only have a couple in the league that can truly go off for 10 12 15 rush attempts in a game and at 7700 you should still look at that as a gift so Sharp players this week are still going to be on Justin Fields. Now, at this time, his ownership, projected ownership, is it's almost got to be wrong when I look at it. It's showing under 5% owned. Justin Fields could complete less than half his passes and still be the top scoring running back on the slate this week. And as things continue, continue to get trashier in Chicago, I could see Justin Fields going into fuck it mode and running, running, running. And what creates a great game script for that? Being down. Enter the Kansas City Chiefs. This game has an implied total of 48.5. But KC is a 12.5 point favorite. They're projected for 30.5 points in this game. So, what do you do? you got to have a slice of that pie with Kansas City. And this isn't the first time Kansas City is lined up to absolutely pulverize a team and have a high scoring total over the last few years. Now, how I have handled that, that big fat amount of points I want some access to in the years, has actually been pretty simple. I've never tried to figure out an Andy Reid running back. 
And after Tyreek Hill left, I am no longer trying to figure out these Kansas City Chief wide receivers either. So you have two routes to get access, in my opinion, to get access to these Chiefs points. Option one, you play Mahomes naked. Now, he's sky-high price, but you only need 23 points out of him for it to make sense. I've played Mahomes naked before. It doesn't seem like the most optimal route this week with so many other quarterbacks to play. Option two seems better, and that is... For once, you are free and clear to play Travis Kelsey, a high-end tight end, mainly because you're probably playing Jerome Ford in the running back slot, price so low. I like playing Travis Kelsey this week a little bit. I'm not saying make it the focus of your your contest or, or of your lineup builds, but maybe getting one share of Travis Kelsey, assuming that you know Mahomes and Chiefs try to get it back on track against a, a almost non-existent Bears defense you could siphon off a lot of the Mahomes points through Travis Kelsey and then still get access to a lot of these quarterbacks that you're going to have to play this week. I mean, like I said, I have seven in my player pool. I'll probably try to cut that down to six or hopefully five, hopefully. So those are the two ways I think you can get access to these Chiefs points. Another game I expect to be pretty one-sided is the Bills at Washington Commanders game. Just like the Chiefs game, you're going to want to get access to this game. And I think I have a good read on who you want to go for here, which is an easy build, Josh Allen, James Cook, Stephon Diggs. Commanders can play ball. And I think offensively, they could challenge the Bills this week. But more importantly, Montez Sweat and Chase Young coming off the edges is not going to allow Josh Allen to be too cute. He's going to go to exactly who his his bailout guys are, which in this case is going to be Stephon Diggs. So I think... Josh Allen's going to be looking at Stephon Diggs quickly to get the ball out quickly because he's going to be under fire. I don't think there's going to be a pocket on the Buffalo offensive side of the ball this week, so there's not going to be time to, to mess around and get the ball to people like in the likes of Gabriel Davis, things like that like last week. So I would go back to the well. You want access to the Bills this week. 25 points projected for this game. Josh Allen, James Cook, he has graduated. I don't know if he's necessarily a stud, but... For a couple years there, there's never a running back that got consistent carries. And I know Latavius Murray and Damian Harris were show themselves throughout the game, and especially around the goal line, it's really scary. But James Cook, the last two games, he's been that 15-touch, 18-touch running back. That's a running back that you can play and feel confident in. His price in a week where a lot of running back prices are sky high is very reasonable at 6900 So I'm not saying it's a smash play or anything but james cook's definitely usable and then i would not feel bad at all playing josh allen stacked up with Diggs. i think the 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 heat's going to be in the kitchen and and allen's gonna be trying to get everything out of there as soon as he can and the only guy he has that he can rely on quick is Diggs. so that's a good place to go back to this week you're going to want access to the bills another matchup that needs to be targeted is houston texans at jacksonville jaguars so this is the game, again, I think one-sided. It's going to be a kind of a bully fest on the Jags to the Texans. At least it should be. Here's something to look for from this Jags team this week. If they don't have their way with the Texans this week, then you can properly tag the Jaguars as a team that plays down to their competition. After watching the Indianapolis Colts out of everybody have their way with the Texans last week, this Jags team with significantly better players that should they, they should be thinking playoffs. 
they need to exert their will on the Texans. So Trevor Lawrence, ETN's in a smash spot. Ridley, and you pray that Kirk doesn't siphon good Ridley stats away from him. But you need to be strongly looking at all of them, whether that's in a stack or you're going to mix them up a little bit. Just because a team's supposed to smash doesn't mean you need a three, four player stack, but that's a matchup that absolutely has to be targeted. And the last team, I think, matchup that you need to focus on is the Cowboys. They are a pretty narrow fantasy team so far this year. Most of the groundwork, if not all, is going to Pollard. He had 25 carries last week. And CeeDee Lamb seems like he's running unencumbered out there. So I would be looking, and especially last week, they were going against that Jets defense, which is tough. I mean, they had to go to Pollard on the ground that many times, not because he was successful, but to keep that defense honest and, and unbalanced. So I think when the going gets tough, when they need to just do their thing, I mean, this is a game that should be a blowout against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but remember that that Cardinals defense, you know, they're not scrubs like everybody thinks the Cardinals are. So the, the Cowboys are going to have to use their best options. They're not going to be able to play around or experiment. So I, I do think you need a little access to CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard. And if you are making your evaluations and Dak Prescott makes your player pool, I don't think you're totally wrong. So take a good look at the Cowboys. Ooh, it's hard for me to embrace a McCarthy team, but... Here I am. They are starting to look pretty narrow, though. I mean, most of the work is going to just two guys. So get a good look at that. I think Jake Ferguson, too, at 5K, he could at least be a bargain bin tight end option for you. Okay, now we really need to go into the operating room and splay out this Los Angeles Chargers at Minnesota Vikings game. This is a tough one. Implied total, 53.5 points. Uh, I think Minnesota's at home, so they got a point and a half. They're point and a half favorites. A lot of stuff going on on both teams here. This could be explosive. This could be the highest scoring game of the slate. And most importantly, it contains the potential for a positive game script. So all the other teams we've talked about, Jags, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bills even, they are at high risk of being up 21 nothing at half and the game script's hurting you. So when you're picking through those players, you need to think, okay, is this a game that's going to require, you know, Travis Kelsey's services throughout the whole game or Calvin Ridley's services throughout the whole game? Or is this game going to require Travis Etienne's services throughout the whole game? I don't think you can predict blowouts necessarily, but you at least need to be able to predict, you know, through the air or through the ground, what's going to be leaned on more by the midway through the third quarter. So this game, though, is different. Chargers-Vikings, it could stay neck and neck throughout. Both teams underperforming. Both teams shaky at running back. Eckler, I still don't expect him to play this week, although he hasn't officially been ruled out yet. And then everybody, everybody is coming down on Alexander Madison after last week. I think he had a fumble, maybe two. I mean, just complete kaput last week for Alexander Madison. And then, of course, the Cam Akers trade news broke here this week. So I think it's uh, it'd be foolish to think Cam Akers is stepping in just kind of like Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt actually has a higher chance of coming in for the Browns and taking more work right away. I don't expect Cam Akers to be really that much into the game plan for this week, which could certainly change after this week. But yes, you have two quarterbacks that are usable in this game, a handful of receivers. So Let's walk through that, and also let's walk through our contingency plan for if 
Eckler is still out. So walking through the Chargers first, Justin Herbert, he does not run nearly enough like he did before that rib injury last year. I don't think we're going to see that come back from him again. So as a usable DFS player, he is starting to slide down the rankings a little bit, but he just can't help himself. He still hits that 20-point target. He is 2-for-2 this year and hitting his 20-point target, but he also only has six rush attempts through two weeks. That's a little concerning. You're really getting touchdown dependent on Justin Herbert. But he's still in my player pool. He'll probably still have a lineup this week. I'm going to get to the running backs for the Chargers last. For the wide receivers, kind of tough pricing on these wide receivers because Keenan Allen, he he's getting a price that reflects his top of the top of DFS scoring that he had last year. I mean, 8,800 for Keenan Allen, who's not a big yards after you know yards after catch guy. That's tough. I mean, he may actually have been priced out at this point. He would need a two-touchdown, in my opinion, a two-touchdown game because he's rarely breaking 100 yards receiving. I mean, most of his games are, you know, nine catches, 85 yards. You know, then you need that touchdown or two. But at the same time, Keenan Allen has, to me, one of the safest floors at the wide receiver position, which is you're usually after those safe floors when they make – uh, value sense when their salary isn't so high so it's gonna hurt to leave him out this week but you may have to with so many other high price uh, slate breakers i hope when i go through my construction i can keep keenan allen in but it just seems like there's zero ceiling for him with that price then we have mike williams who at any given time i will say looks like he had he's projected to actually be higher owned than keenan allen but i think that that's a a bad DFS player is just default to where, oh, I still need my Chargers receiver, but now I'm going to go down in terms of production, which I think is foolish. If you're playing Herbert, you definitely need someone to stack with him because all their success correlates, right? But I still think if you got Herbert, you probably got to figure out Keenan Allen, maybe run a, a lineup with two high-priced receivers so you have your variety of a slate-breaker receiver, but you saw that safe floor Keenan Allen. Going to Mike Williams, you really are, are banking on boom or bust. Now, Mike Williams is capable of breaking a slate occasionally. Maybe not breaking, probably shouldn't say that, but he is capable of, you know, you're happy you used him. <laughs> he could go off, you know, 50-yard touchdown catch. It all makes sense. It's there. But the price still with Mike Williams, 7200 if he drops the ball for you, your lineup could be tanked. So very high-risk receiving options on the Chargers this week. Now let's talk about this Eckler situation. So again, I don't expect him to play. He hasn't been ruled out. And this week I actually do like Joshua Kelly. I like him at 6,100. Everyone got burned by him last week, as they should have predicted, as we did. So his ownership's going to be in the toilet. I don't even think that this is a right projected ownership right now, but he's somewhere under 5% owned is kind of the projections at this point. I think those are off, but I love Joshua Kelly. If he can go out and get 15, 18 touches against this Minnesota defense. Now, you are if you play Joshua Kelly, what you have bet on is that the Chargers are going to be up and leading throughout this game more than likely. So if you're going the Joshua Kelly route when Eckler's ruled out, you got to, one, you got to believe in Joshua Kelly, and you got to believe in the Chargers on the road, 0-2 on the season going and and having their way with the Vikings and being up at least for a good chunk of the games. 
So if you don't see that game outcome, you're probably not picking Joshua Kelly. So make those two choices on him first before you plug him in. Now over there on the Vikings side, still a tough team to really invest in. Kirk Cousins has had his good weeks. I think he is in his prime right now and playing as good as he is capable of playing. But his price now is basically, it's higher than Justin Fields, and it's right at almost at 8K, 7,800. He is super touchdown dependent. You, If you were to play Kirk Cousins, then I would suggest you play Justin Jefferson, of course, but also either Addison, Osborne, or even go the high price route with Hawkinson, and I mean it. And I know that we always say disrespect the tight end, but when you play these quarterbacks that cannot run at all, at all, you definitely need them to throw. You're basically saying they have to throw three touchdowns this week. So if the lineup tanks because he didn't throw three touchdowns, so be it. But if it succeeds, it only succeeded because he threw multiple touchdowns to multiple guys. Play the lineup that has the multiple guys, and you've hit the nuts on this lineup. So that's kind of the look at it. I actually think playing Madison isn't totally crazy. So he's in my player pool, shockingly enough. And if the lineup, he's one of those kind of last pick guys, right? So if his price fits, his price fits, and I need a little diversity and not have Joshua Kelly in that slot and, and have 200 more to get to Madison, who's 200 uh, more pri- uh, higher priced than Kelly, I, I could do it. And that would, be a, that would be a running back that's probably not very high owned because he's just not popular this week in the league. Otherwise, I do see if you invest in this game on the Viking side and you don't go Hawkinson's route, I see you being very upset as he eats up 11 catches throughout the game. But that's just kind of the choice you have to make. I, I don't know. Looking at the Vikings lineup for this week, I really don't know what route I'll take. And I hate that. I hate, I really don't like tight ends that get so many targets, but they're so boom or bust. Very likely to give you about one and a half times value back. But if you're not in there on Justin Jefferson's shares, you know, you could just miss the boat. I mean, he, he's very capable of breaking the slate this week, especially at home in the dome. And if you go to the Madison route, keep in mind that the Chargers' run defense is fairly stout. So far, they have faced Derrick Henry and Raheem Mostert. They held Derrick Henry to 3.2 yards per carry. Mostert got 3.7. So they're not elite against the run, but they definitely are not soft either. So keep that in mind. Only play Madison if you absolutely feel like you need to. I would be very leery. It's very tempting to overstack this game but make it make sense. And maybe this is a game where you kind of hit two different lineups from two different angles, just filtering guys in rather than just being all in on this in one single lineup. All right. Well, that's all the matchups that I'm, I got eyes on this week. Now I also had eyes on a couple trap plays, things that look good where I think you want to go to, cause it'll make you feel better to play these lower priced players that seem like they have good opportunity. But I think, I think it's fool's gold. So the two situations I see that if you are going here, I want to hear your reasoning. I really do. So the first situation, again, is that Ravens backfield. Justice Hill looks like he's probably not going to play. So the question is, like, who's left? Well, Gus Edwards is left. And Gus Edwards has been there for I don't know how many years now, four or five, forever, okay? He's not the guy. He's not going to get 20 carries. In fact, with the Justice Hill 
and Gus Edwards situation last week that I told you guys to avoid, you know what that led to? Lamar Jackson running 12 times. Okay, so that's where the benefit is there. Don't think Justice, Justice Hill coming out of the picture is a boost or leg up for Gus Edwards. If anything, it's a solidifying or a solidifying stance for Lamar or even a boost for Lamar. So you're going to want some Lamar this week. That's what Justice Hill out should tell you, not that Gus Edwards is an answer. Let the fish play that play, and if it works out for him, if for whatever reason Gus Edwards on three goal line carries gets three touchdowns, so be it. you got to be okay with losing that way. But be able to identify these trap plays. Another trap play that I see here is the Saints running backs. It's just desolation over there. Tony Jones and Kendra Miller, maybe Kendra Miller plays this week, but either way, it doesn't matter who's running the ball back there so far this year. And let's be honest, you'll play Tony Jones and just watch Taysom Hill get 12 carries in this game. Ugh, Taysom Hill. But anyway, the Saints aren't running the ball effectively at all this year. They're, they're doing great with downfield passing to Olave and uh, Rashid Shahid. Shahid Rashid. It's one of those two. But it's just not a place to get good running back production yet. Jamal Williams that had did not have any success. What sucks about the Saints not being great on the ground is that they do have a favorable rushing matchup against the Packers defense. Now they will be on the road, but I do think the Packers defense is a team you can definitely target with running backs. I think that they are a running what we always talk about pass funnel defense, but Packers have such great DBs that teams really gouge them on the ground instead. So it's going to suck to kind of watch this come and go, and you got to value running back there. But I just haven't seen it at all from the Saints, no matter who's carrying the ball. I think you're liable to have, if you play one of these guys, they're going to get you four points. It's different than Jerome Ford's situation because Jerome Ford is on a team that's committed to the run, that's good at the run, and needs him to be successful. The Saints have beat good teams already without a running game. And in this game against the Packers, they very well might solve their running back problem with strong doses of Taysom Hill. Just avoid this terrible game of whack-a-mole. Oh, whack-a-mole. Do you guys think I've ever played a game of whack-a-mole I liked? I don't know where that comes from, but you get it. That makes sense, right? You're trying to hit the right mole in the right head at the right time, but you never will because they always disappear from you. Yeah, I think that's what playing the Saints running backs this week is going to be like. Okay, well, those are all the matchups, both team-based, individual-based, that I caught while building my player pool this week. If you guys have caught any unique matchups, definitely send them to the podcast, at PlayerPoolPod on Twitter. Tweet at me. I'd love to converse with you guys on Twitter and see what your thoughts are. I had a good conversation with a listener last night. He pointed out that, you know, I should be open to your guys' suggestions, both about the process, but also about what you see week to week. And I totally agree. And I think I said that early in this show's history in the first few episodes that this is a collaborative podcast. Now, I will always defend and stick close to the process, uh, the player pool process. But yeah, if you guys see things, definitely hit me up. Tweet, uh, tweet at me on Twitter at player pool pod. I'm here to get better with you guys. So these are the matchups I saw that needed attention. If you see anything else, definitely put it in front of me. And that'll do it for today's episode. I hope you guys are having fun with this. I hope you're sticking to the principles, the steps of lineup construction, and most importantly, the bankroll management. 
Bankroll management is a buzzword that a lot of DFS touts, a lot of analysts and experts, they like to say, I manage my bankroll. It's all about bankroll management. They never actually teach players how to manage their bankroll. They'll put up things, they'll put up graphs, ROI, percentages, little graph things to show how they're doing it. And it's super unrelatable. So I hope the way I've explained it to you, you know, give yourself so many lives. You're playing of how much principal you're walking in with. You're playing X amount per week, bar none. And that amount per week is being played evenly across. You know, I want to start seeing you guys get to at least four lineups, if not five. You know, five lineups is kind of the base package for this stuff. So I hope that that takes some of the stress off you guys. I hope you're practicing it too, because after a few weeks, it can get kind of, you kind of start to feel a little more free, money's easy. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're drained, you got to deposit. And then you're just, you know, you feel like you're starting all over. So um, I don't know. I'm not trying to be anyone's dad or anything. I just think that that's such an underrated aspect of DFS that can remove a lot of the stress and just anger and frustration about the process. Speaking of frustration too, don't expect, I mean, this is DFS, just like baseball. If you bat 300, you know, you're, you're an all-star, right? So your success rate in DFS is not going to be 50% or higher most of the time. But if you're playing the way I'm trying to teach you, playing those leagues, managing your money correctly, playing even money, when you hit, when you get that double off the wall, uh, it's it's going. You're gonna make more money back than you would lose across a couple of weeks. I mean, significantly amount, uh, you know, by the unit. So make sure you're still staying close to the process. If there's any questions about the process or especially the lineup construction steps, again, on Twitter at PlayerPoolPod. Uh, don't uh, be shy. Give me a shout. Otherwise, I think the theme of this week, again, you got to really slow down and make your p- player pool slow and look at all the wide receiver twos, threes, and fours on every team, running backs, do your evaluation. But that's what I did this week. I, I definitely went a lot slower through the player pool and I left feeling like, oh, great. I have so many value pieces I can play getting to all these I mean, nine, there's a lot of nine. I've never seen this many 9,000 and up price players in a single slate. And there's a lot. So, and you got to get to them too. So you're only going to get there if you take your time through the player pool this week and really identify those value plays. And you got to answer all the matchup questions that we discussed correctly. So I'm excited to get into lineup construction. I'll try to tweet out my thoughts as I go. Some of the, the roadblocks I hit and things like that. Otherwise, again, thank you so much for listening to the show. All the interaction. You guys have been you've been great. I mean, I, I'm not doing this to be famous, to make money, nothing. I am honestly doing this because as I get older, as we all do, the circle, the, the enthusiasm circle for the things we loved when we were younger, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller with the people you can talk to and relate to about it because life comes, right? It pulls you away. Your job pulls you away. It's very demanding and it drains you. Then when you, when you get home, your family needs you to, to step up and cover them, right? And at the end of the day, those passions and hobbies and those little escapes that made you feel happy, they, they get smaller. So I created this show and wanted to get all this out there because I wanted to just kind of enlarge that circle again and get a group of, of enthusiasts and people that love football, love fantasy football, and I wanted to teach them also how to love DFS like I do. So it's a passion project for me to do this show and to see the reaction from you guys. It really, it really means a lot to me. So uh, keep listening, keep interacting. Love you guys. Can't wait for this week. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pod.